Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. In three, two, one. Seven things you don't really need to know, but probably should. I'm Jamie Easton. This, this is the Sunday Seven. Merry Christmas, everybody. On this festive episode of The Smart Seven, we hear from the elves helping Santa to go digital. We talk to a psychologist about how to deal with loneliness and conflict at Christmas. And we learn a little known fact about Santa's reindeers. Right now, Santa's making his way across the world to deliver presents to children this Christmas. Since 1955, NORAD, the North American Aerospace Defence Command, has tracked Santa Claus on his journey, and as Major General Michelle Rose explains, this year is no exception. This has been a tradition here for 65 years. It started in uh, 1955 when uh, the local Sears and Roebuck misprinted the number to call Santa, and it came right into our headquarters here at NORAD. And uh, so for 65 years, we've been tracking Santa. And, uh, you know, we have a lot of volunteers and we really enjoy doing this on Christmas Eve. If you like us, you might be wondering how exactly NORAD tracks Santa. Well, here's US Air Force General Glenn D. Van Herc with the answer. NORAD uses specific capabilities to not only track Santa Claus, but each and every day, 365 days a year, to ensure North America remains safe. It starts with our North Warning System, which is a series of 47 radars that stretch across the northern portion of Canada and Alaska. These radars search for threats potentially emanating from the north. On December 24th, they track Santa Claus as he leaves the North Pole on his journey around the globe. Shortly after he leaves the North Pole, Rudolph's nose, which emanates an infrared signature, is detected by our satellites overhead, which enable us to track uh, Santa all around the globe. These satellites are in a geosynchronous orbit just over 23,000 miles above the Earth, enable us to watch the infrared signature as it tracks around the globe. As Santa Claus and Rudolph approach North America from the east, typically near Newfoundland, our fighters pick up Santa Claus. First, normally the Canadian CF-18s, uh, and then Alaskan fighters and uh, U.S. fighters such as F-15s, F-16s, and F-22s, and we ensure Santa's safe passage through North America. General, why is it so important to keep this tradition going? Well, it's really important that we do this mission. First, uh, to continue on the history that we've done, but it's also educational for the many folks that dial in, uh, not only to track Santa Claus's young kids, but we take the opportunity to talk about NORAD and what NORAD does each and every day to ensure that the folks from North America, both Canada and the United States, are safe and sound each and every day. This holiday season, I'd like to thank especially our children and families that provide the foundation of support for both our military members and our civilians who enable us to do what it is we do each and every day. We'd like to say thank you, happy holidays, wish you a Merry Christmas and a happy Six. 
Crispiness is one of the qualities we prize most in food, and at Christmas, the perfectly crispy roast potato is an absolute must. Mm. Here are some scientific tips to guide you to pomme de la terre perfection. Step 1. Choose the right potato. Broadly, there are two types, waxy and floury. The waxy ones have thinner skins, a smoother texture, and they stay firmer when they're cooked. They're good in things like salads, but for roasting, you really want the floury type, which have a higher starch content. King Edwards, Maris Piper, or Russets are all good varieties to pick from. Step 2 boil your potatoes. Potato cells are packed with starch granules which swell and burst during cooking, forming a gel. It's that gelatinized starch that forms a crispy crust on a roast potato. Sam Wong's an assistant news editor at New Scientist, and he breaks down why you should be boiling your potatoes to get an even crispier crust. The cells of the potato are held together by a type of sugar molecule called pectin. Boiling the potato also breaks down the pectin, which helps fat get into the potato when you roast it and form a nice thick crust. You can help that even more by adding bicarbonate of soda to the water to make it alkaline. This weakens the pectin so the potato softens more quickly. About half a teaspoon is enough for two litres of water. To get a really good crisp, you'll want to roast your potatoes at about 200 degrees Celsius, which is pretty hot and quite close to the smoking point of some types of oil like extra virgin olive oil. That means the flavour is going to be affected and it might taste a bit bitter. As an alternative, use a neutral tasting oil like vegetable or sunflower, or you could use something like duck or goose fat for extra flavour. I'd also avoid adding garlic or herbs at this stage because they may burn in the hot oven. But if you want to, you can add them towards the end of cooking. Preheat your roasting tray with your chosen fat and toss your potatoes, making sure they're all covered. After about 20 or 30 minutes in the oven, give them a turn and keep watching them closely. They should take around an hour to get golden brown, but the exact cooking times will depend on your oven and your potatoes. Happy roasting! Mm. Still to come on the Christmas Day 7, Santa goes digital and we get a quick lesson on snowflakes. The big day's here, and as Santa's making his way across the globe with his reindeer, he's also been busy sending merry wishes around the world digitally. This is Alexander Beirard, the CEO, Chief Elf Officer of Portable North Pole. Portable North Pole, or in short, PNP, has been up there for 15 seasons so far. I think we can say we're up to a new Christmas tradition. It's actually a platform that uh, Santa was in place with the Invengineer Elves to uh, create a platform where the, uh, all the children of the world can connect with Santa and get a personalized and magical cinematic message from Santa Claus straight from the North Pole. So at PNP, how else do you help Santa deliver his Christmas messages digitally? There's also personalized calls. There's also video calls. And one thing we're strong about at Portable North Pole is innovation and new stuff. So this year, we have launched what we call the interactive gift tag. You're creating uh, your video like any other video. So you go online, you fill in the form. So what's the name of the kids? What is age? Where you live? Which kind of gift he's looking for? Upload also some pictures. And that's the way you create your precise message. So the one for the gift tag is the same thing. But at the end of the process, you are invited to download and print at home a gift tag and the gift tag is personalized so the photo of the kids the name of your kids also will be on it it's got you see it's come from santa and there's a qr code so on the day of christmas you will just scan with your smartphone and you will actually get 
the video message of Santa that be recorded on the moment you drop the GIF under your tree and your living rooms. So that's a fantastic proof of Santa being in your home and actually bringing the gift that the child was looking for. Well, that sounds absolutely magical. And if anyone listening or their kids didn't get a personal message from Santa this year, how can they change that for 2023? Oh, actually, you know, we're still having plenty of time. Uh, you still have on Christmas morning because let's say for the, the, the gift tag product, you can still print and create your video and print on the Christmas morning before you give away your gift in your family, depending on your own traditions, but you can do it um, up to uh, Christmas day. So you do have time to do it. Something important to mention, if you skip the opportunity for the season, there's also some birthday messages. So Santa's also during birthday messages for uh, any date of the, of the year that anyone can use and can use it also for free. And as Christmas is the season of giving, PNP also does their part. There's almost like almost 50 children hospital across the world that were part of this program. So we're happy to share, you know, try to do our own share during the holiday for our families or kids who have been, you know, unfortunately can be sick during, uh, during that time. To get your message from Santa right now, head to portablenorthpole.com. Every year, people up and down the country dream of a white Christmas. The recent Arctic blast brought snow to many parts of the UK and Ireland, but how much do you actually know about these minute icy particles? One of the things that's really interesting about snowflakes that not many people know is that every single one of them has six sides. And that's the way that the bonds, when when they freeze, they actually force the water to have a fixed side. Liquid water can move all around, you know, you can pour it and stuff like that, but snow always has six sides. That's Gail Skofrenik Jackson, a meteorologist who specializes in all things snow. As the snowflake grows, parts form off the side depending on the temperature and the water that's available within the the atmospheric column. You start to get different parts that come out of that snowflake. And you can get these beautifully complex dendrites with just little spikes off of them and they all are from that hard binding between the um, oxygen and the hydrogen within the water itself as it freezes. Gale's part of the Global Precipitation Measurement Project at NASA. Scientists there are able to measure and track the size, shape and distribution of snow particles. But why is NASA tracking snow at all? It's important to be able to improve these numerical weather predictions and their, their forecast. Right now, they're slowly moving toward making the snowflakes within these models more realistic. And GPM can do that because we are able to measure layer by layer within the storm and provide drop size distributions, not only of the rain particles, but also the snowflakes within that storm. And that allows us to put that information into numerical weather prediction to have a better estimate of these types of storms and where they're going to have the most impact on society. Still to come on the Christmas Sunday 7, an expert delivers tips to survive the holidays and we weigh up the fake versus real Christmas tree debate right after this. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. 
Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's stamps.com, code PROGRAM. You're listening to The Sunday 7. Follow us for your weekday news espresso, or even try our island edition. It's in all the usual places. The holidays can be a tense time. Between old feuds and resentments, differing political opinions and disapproving in-laws, family gatherings often bring out the worst in us. To help today go just that little bit more smoothly, we've got some advice from an expert you might need. Joining the show is Lucy Blake, a development psychologist at the University of the West of England and author of the forthcoming book No Family's Perfect, A Guide to Embracing the Messy Reality. And as pretty much all of us have known at one point or another, the holidays can be a tense time. So Lucy, why does family conflict tend to arise during the holidays? I think it's a time where families are expected to spend quite a concentrated amount of time with one another. And when family members get together like this, sometimes there isn't much opportunity for people to have personal space or it can be difficult to keep boundaries in place. So that can be quite challenging. And then on the other side, if people decide to do something different or something unexpected over the holidays, like spend some time to themselves or pursue their own interests, that can be difficult too, because sometimes people have traditions and expectations and there can be conflict when people kind of challenge those expectations or traditions and do their own thing. What sort of emotions pop up? Over the holidays, there are a number of emotions that can be quite challenging. So one of those is that of nostalgia or kind of missing people, or thinking about the past, thinking about happier times, happier holidays. So that can be quite difficult. And another uh, challenging emotion is that of uh, loneliness. So for people who aren't seeing family members or don't have that option or have chosen not to do so, it might be a time where their friends or colleagues are busy with their own obligations um, and their own plans. So sometimes I think people can feel left out or like they have fewer options to socialise with people at this time of year. The other feeling that I think can come up is that of feeling inferior or different or in some way unlike everyone else around you. So that idea that everyone else is having like a very blissful, happy holiday and the family's all in matching pyjamas and everything's very warm and cosy. Whereas perhaps if you're having a, a difficult day or feeling lonely or tired or stressed or sad or disappointed, I think that can feel quite jarring and like perhaps it's only you that's feeling that way. I think it's understandable that we think like that because if you think of all the adverts that we see and the kind of themes that we see on TV and films, we do kind of think of the holidays as a time of togetherness. Um, So that can be very difficult as well if you're feeling left out of that or like you're the only one not really having that experience. Some people are also spending time apart for one reason or another. How can people healthily deal with these feelings of isolation and estrangement? I think the most important thing is that people know that they are not alone. We know that family relationships are very complicated and that the breakdown of those relationships is not a rare thing. So we have estimates that it might be one in three families or one in four families that are affected by family estrangement 
and experiencing tension and conflict as well is also a very normal and expected part of a family relationship. So if we are feeling alone or um, upset at the idea that perhaps we're the only ones that are having this painful experience at this time of year, I think there is solace to be found in, in knowing that these experiences are much more common than we think. Um, I also think it might be helpful to turn to certain communities. So if anybody is experiencing family estrangement, it could help to reach out to a charity like Standalone. Um, and then for people with all sorts of different experiences, it could help to join um, kind of social media campaigns like hashtag join in. And that's where people can find each other on social media and perhaps feel a bit less lonely. So we've talked about conflict and loneliness. What final tips would you have for listeners who just want to navigate the messy reality of family life at this time? Yeah, I think the most important thing is to try and be as kind to yourself as possible. Um, so family relationships are complex. They're always changing. There is no one with a perfect family out there where there is no change or challenge or pain. Um, and I think that perhaps being kind to yourself might look lots of different ways. Whatever it is that gives you any kind of feelings of peace or quietness or gentleness, um, I would recommend leaning into those kinds of activities and just remembering that the images that we see from advertisement and film and TV are not representative of family relationships. So if you are having a difficult time or experiencing challenge, you are not alone. They're the ultimate Christmas decoration and millions are bought in the UK and Ireland each year. But what impact do Christmas trees, real and artificial, have on the environment? Well, sorry to be a Debbie Downer, but let's start with a natural tree. Around 7 million Christmas trees are bought in the UK and Ireland each year, with roughly three quarters being grown here. It takes up to 12 years to grow a typical Christmas tree. During this time, it does actually have a really positive impact on the environment because it absorbs carbon from the atmosphere and nitrogen from the soil. But once the tree is chopped down, it slowly starts to release emissions back into the atmosphere. Transporting a tree can also contribute to the overall carbon footprint, so buying a tree that's locally grown can help keep this footprint down. But the biggest potential environmental impact for natural Christmas trees comes from its disposal. Here's BBC's Laura Jones with the facts. If your tree ends up in landfill, its carbon footprint will be a lot higher. That's because organic matter, which decomposes away from oxygen, produces methane, a greenhouse gas which contributes to global warming. It's much better if your tree gets incinerated, burnt or composted. That can reduce its carbon footprint by up to 80% compared with landfill. You can find out from your local council what happens to your Christmas tree once you throw it out. So what about a plastic Christmas tree? Well, here, the biggest impact on the environment comes from production. Artificial trees are usually made out of a combination of metal and plastics. The production and processing of these can significantly increase the carbon footprint. 
and most artificial trees are made in China, which means they have to be packaged and shipped all the way to Europe. The good thing is that you can reuse a plastic tree, but how many years would you have to keep it so that it has a lower environmental impact than buying a natural one? Well, experts think it's about a decade, but that's only a rough estimate and it depends on a number of factors, including the size of your tree. Overall, your choice of Christmas tree actually has a relatively small impact on your annual carbon footprint, which is kind of good news. To give you a better idea, driving 12 miles in an average-sized petrol car produces as much greenhouse gas emissions as buying a natural tree, or 54 miles if that tree ends up in landfill. If you get an artificial tree, that's roughly equivalent to driving 135 miles. Of course, there are other factors you might want to consider when buying a Christmas tree, but in terms of the environmental impact we use for making artificial trees and the disposal of natural trees, they're two factors you might just want to bear in mind. Here's a Christmas question for you. Are Santa's reindeers male or female? Well, antlers usually help us tell them apart, but reindeer are an exception to the rule. So if you see an image of Rudolph sporting a striking set of antlers, there are a few things you need to know. According to some serious reindeer stats, Rudolph's actually a female. We know this because on Christmas Day, Rudolph's often spotted sporting beautiful antlers. In most deer species, antlers can help us tell male and female deer apart. Generally, males have them and females don't. But reindeer are an exception. Female reindeers do have antlers. And while males shed theirs in the autumn, females keep their antlers during the winter. This is Ellen Coombs, a scientist at the Natural History Museum. After mating season in autumn, they are usually pregnant. And in the cold, snowy environments where they live, they need to protect themselves against predators and defend their territory and the small amount of food they may have found in order to survive throughout winter and give birth to a healthy fawn in spring. So when Rudolph is depicted with antlers, not only does this tell us that Rudolph was female, but also that she was expecting. This has been the Sunday 7. Wherever you're listening, do us a favour and hit the follow button. We'll be back tomorrow at 7am with the regular Smart 7. Have a great rest of your weekend. Written, produced and published by Daft Doris. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum.